I'm Sharon Betters, and you are listening to a Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Our conversation today is with Christina Fox. Christina is a writer for a number of Christian ministries, including Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition. She has authored several books, and our topic for our conversation is rooted in Christina's newest book, Idols of a Mother's Heart. And I know that that's going to capture your attention if you are a mother, especially as a young mother, but as a woman in the older season of life whose kids have left the nest, I want to encourage you, if you're in that same season, to stick around because a lot of what Christina shares is going to be helpful to you as well. And also with me and with us today is Melissa Weissenfels, who is the executive director of Mark Inc. Ministries, and she is a young mother herself. So, Christina, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be chatting with you guys today. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your family, and were you raised in a Christian home? I grew up in Maryland, and I went to Covenant College, where I met my husband, And we have two sons, 11 and 14, whom I'm currently homeschooling. My background is actually in counseling. I have my master's in counseling. I think that's why a lot of my books kind of uh, focus on things like emotions or in terms of this book, idolatry. I was raised in a Christian home. Just excited to talk about this topic. Well, we are too. And one of the reasons Melissa is jumping in is because Melissa, you're a young mother, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm excited to cover this topic today. I think it's something that, you know, as a mother, we all struggle with. I have two children. Currently, they are nine and 10 years old. So it is definitely, I've gone through the early seasons of motherhood and the trials um, and struggles that come along with little ones. Now that we're entering preteen, I'm looking kind of forward and reading some of Christina's topics in her book really was convicting to me about preparing my heart as a mother, raising my children, preparing them for the teenage years, and of course, the empty nest at the end. Christina, what have been some of your biggest challenges in motherhood? Really, I would say remembering that um, I'm not on my own and that this role as a mom, this ministry of motherhood, if you will, that it's not, it's not all up to me. I do tend to rest in my own strength a lot, my own wisdom, and think that if I just followed these 10 steps or <laughs> read this next book, that I would kind of have it all together. And so the Lord is showing me over and over that, no, what you need is me, and I am always with you, and you can draw from my wisdom and my strength. And that's an ongoing lesson that I continue to have to learn, but and um, I know that um, I think we all embrace that concept that it falls, motherhood, we feel like falls on our shoulders um, to raise our children as best we know how. And we're all looking, like you said, a little bit like looking for that perfect manual. I know I've read countless books as well, trying to raise them in Christ, trying to prepare their hearts, trying to discipline them properly. What would you say is the biggest failure or stumbling block that you ran into over and over again up until this point. For example, um, for myself, I feel like, and I'm not sure that I would call it a a failure as of yet. I don't know that it has, has been a failure for myself, but I struggle, I think, knowing the boundaries of 
of that discipline component, you know, or allowing my own anger to present itself, you know, in, in a challenging situation and letting myself get in front of the parenting. I would, I, I could definitely relate to that. I think um, I do tend to get irritated quickly and I, um, I can be sarcastic. You know, I think when my kids are younger, they didn't quite catch that, but as they get older, they, they, they can sense it. Even if I don't realize I'm doing it, it's more of an instinctual response that I have. Especially my oldest, he recognizes that. He responds and says, you're making me feel stupid or whatever. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to do that, certainly. But I guess an ongoing sin that's just it's so deeply rooted that I don't even often see it. But they're around me all the time. They see it. And so, I mean... It's like iron sharpening iron with my own children that, you know, they're helping me see um, my sin and um, helping me fight it, even though they may not realize that's what they're doing, but they are. And so I do think that my responses to, to what they're doing and what they're going through is often one of my biggest failures, those instinctual responses that um, I'm, I'm, Ashamed of, I guess. I'm even as an older mother, I can really relate to what you're saying because when our kids were little, we had four little guys, and patience was not my virtue. I would lose my temper, I would yell, and I would plead with the Lord, please don't let me yell today. Please let me be patient today. And I think one of the freeing things for a young mother, which I wish I had understood better back then, is that. When you love the Lord, when you are committed to him, our children are a means of sanctifying or transforming us, making us better, uh, making us into the people that we are longing to be as far as, you know, recognizing, okay, I am a sinner. I am going to mess up. God has given me these children. They're driving me up a wall. What does that say about me? I think it. I think that goes right along with what you were saying, Christina, about um, you know they don't, may not know it, but the Lord is using them to show you those places where you need Him. You need Him even more. And I will tell you, I think it's a, a lifelong journey of recognizing those moments with parenting, whether you're 71 like I am or 21, of recognizing, okay, this is an opportunity for the Lord to show me more of who he is. And um, of course, we just want him to fix us, say, we got it, (laughs) just (laughs) fix us. We don't want to go there anymore. You've probably talked to a lot of young moms. What do you hear them saying the most? What are some of the common themes that you hear from young mothers? They do certainly resonate with the anger (laughs) responses to their children. Also, just wisdom, just desiring wisdom to know what to do in different situations on a daily basis, strength to endure things. For some, just simply survival, just to get through till bedtime. Um, and only to re, you know restart it the next day. Well, I think you address a lot of those in your book, Idols of a Mother's Heart, and sometimes you know naming it, calling, uh, owning, owning um, this is an idol, gives us a whole different perspective on how to respond to the struggles that we have. But you know, some people might 
bristle at the idea of children being an idol or anything about parenting being an idol. So why don't you help us understand what you're talking about when you say idols? Yeah, we often think of an idol like what the Israelites worshipped when they made a, a calf out of gold. Um, but we we worship idols. They may not be constructed out of wood or metal or gold, but in the book, I use Tim Keller's definition from his book, Counterfeit Gods. An idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. So for moms, it's an idol is anything that we turn to for life and hope, those things that give us meaning and purpose and significance outside of God. So that could be a countless number of things. And again, I would say to listeners, as a grandmother, this resonates with me too. It's not a one and done deal. When the kids are grown up, we don't have those idols or the struggle. We, we have to continuously deal with the struggles of making our children or relationships idols. And that's going to break your heart every single time eventually your heart is going to be broken when, when we do that. So Christina, in your book, you cover a lot of these um, and you break them down in, into topics that we can, we can really connect with and, and embrace. And I want to start with the first one. In today's um, society, parents are more and more consumed with their children and their activities, their behavior. And I often buy into believing that the more I do for my two kids, um, somehow the better they will be or really the better parent I'll appear to be. Can you speak of how this way of thinking can easily lead to our children becoming an idol of our hearts? It's hard to think of a person or a child being an idol, but they can be. I mean, as moms, our, often our, our whole life seems to revolve around our children. We devote so much of our energy, our thoughts, our emotions, everything into the raising um, of these children. And they need us to do all that. You know, they can't do it themselves. And so, you know, over the years, we find ourselves just poured into them. And ultimately, with the goal of them being successful and, and fruitful in society. And so when something doesn't go right with that, whether they, they don't appreciate what we've done for them or uh, we don't see the evidence of the work that we've poured into them. Uh, all of those things can, can make uh, them become an idol where we find our meaning in, in our children and, and who they are and what they're turning out to be. We find our value as people in the work that we do. So in all those ways and more our children can be an idol. Well, I can think about myself, um, and as a pastor's wife, um, coming to church with four children, and pastor's wives are single women on Sundays, and whenever there are uh, events, their, their pastor husband is working, and so she's on her own. I was on my own with these four little kids, and I can't even number how many times I was humiliated by their behavior. <laughs> And so here, hearing me say that, I was humiliated by their behavior, to me, is saying, because your focus was on the wrong thing. You know, now as an adult, I, I didn't know how to break that, that chain on me of being a people pleaser, because I mean, that's part of what I've struggled with all of my life anyway, but especially with parenting that, um, and I, again, I come back to, to encourage mothers 
who struggle with this is if your relationship to the Lord is one where you want to honor him and glorify him, that's a moment of saying, okay, Lord, there's a lesson here for me somewhere. This is about my heart and not recognizing that my children have sinful hearts. This is a reminder. And there's something in this for me in my relationship to you. I think that can be a freeing thing. It's hard because you have to die to self and all those other things. But um, yeah, I mean, the idea of our children are part of, of what gives us an identity. So if they're good, we're good. I really appreciated one of the things you talked about was about comfort being an idol. And I, boy, I resonated with that. Um, Can you explain what you mean? Because at first I didn't know, I didn't understand what you were talking about, but then the more I got into it, I thought, yep, I know all about that feeling. (laughs) So why why don't you help us understand that? Well, I mean, you know, do you ever feel like weary and worn after a long day? with the kids and you find yourself just, I don't know, wanting some relief from that. You know, maybe you're, you're like, I just want to lay down and binge watch my favorite drama. Or maybe you look, you know, all day you've been looking forward to just sitting down with your, I don't know, favorite sweet or salty treat, just being by yourself and not having to answer to anyone's calls for, for help. Idle comfort is just something that we turn to to kind of numb ourselves to like our struggles and challenges of the day. They're kind of a temporary reward to help us forget. For moms, you know, it's kind of an escape. And so when we turn to things to provide that comfort, we're turning to something else to kind of save and rescue us um, instead of Christ. And so with the idol of comfort, um, I just kind of unpack what that might look like um, for us as moms and how we might turn to temporary uh, solutions to uh, give us comfort that really only God can give us. But how do we know when we've reached the level of it becoming an idol versus, you know, an acceptable comfort for the day or an escape that's, that's truly a, a gift that God's kind of put in our place to, to let us refresh ourselves? Like, how do we d- differentiate between those two? I kind of look at it as things that um, become a need, like... I need this afternoon, and if I don't have it, then I I get angry. Um, I respond in anger. So I I, I felt that way. Um, you know, when, when my kids were little, I would literally think, I need a soda. I I deserve it uh, after all that I've gone through today, <laughs> and I need it to get me through to the rest of the day. And um, when those things become like a daily, almost kind of a ritual where you turn to turn to things as a need, as a as a thing that you deserve, I think that can be an indicator. Um, it certainly gives us many things that just give us rest um, when we need it or give us comfort. And those are, you know, gifts. Um, but when they become necessary, um, and things that we turn to automatically. Uh, instead of the Lord, uh, we find them to be a substitute for him. I think that's kind of the pushing point. And I think probably one of the ways we can identify that is you mentioned it a little bit is our response. 
because I'm thinking back to when our kids were little and I couldn't wait for bedtime. When I was, I couldn't wait. Sometimes I would read them books so that, that I knew were going to put them to sleep. And sometimes I would fall asleep while I was reading the books to them. And they gave me a hard time about bedtime. I was furious. I mean, I could not, um, I, I couldn't seem to get myself under control, which I know that's, you know, that's not um, what God tells us, that we can choose self-control. But because in my head it was, I'm done, and you need to go to sleep so that I can rest or so that I can read my book or I can take a hot bath or, or whatever. And so, again, I think it comes back to dying to self in those moments of saying, Lord, clearly my child needs me right now. Maybe it's a discipline moment. Maybe it is you have to work through the discipline with the child for being so selfish and all those things, but I have to do it through the grid of Christ's love and not through my need, not through the grid of anger because my need is being put at the bottom and it keeps coming back to dying to self so that there can be life. And it's so hard because mothers, I know everybody has to do it, but it seems like it's every minute when they yeah. spill that orange juice and why couldn't it have been water? instead of the sugary drink or that I'm going to be sticking my feet on this for the next three days. And I just washed the kitchen floor and those kinds of things. Of, I, I think we need to give grace to one another that those things, we, it's battle. It's war. God did not uh, give us children and say, okay, now be perfect. So how, how do we extend grace to one another? And how do we experience that grace when we, okay, Lord, I've done it again. Uh, is the way we end our day. So are you asking grace for ourselves or for others? I, I think grace for ourselves, because if we can experience that grace, that's going to flow over into our children. So how, how do we experience that? I think the, the gospel is an integral part of this whole process. And it's something that in each chapter I try to point to after I um, unpack the idol um, that I'm talking about in each chapter to point to a gospel truth of what Jesus uh, did in his perfect life, sacrificial death, triumphant resurrection for us, and just turning our hearts to that and to remember who we are in Christ, what he's done for us. While we are going to fail and will continue to fail in our parenting, Christ was never a failure. He was perfect in all things. And he even now is, you know, standing before God for us, giving us his righteousness. And each time that we fail, we turn to that truth and are comforted by the fact that he's given us his spirit who is working in us. And when we struggle with that, whatever that might be, an anger, anger response or whatever, we can even rejoice in that struggle knowing, well, the Holy Spirit showed that to me right now. There may be times in, in my past I didn't even notice, but now I see it. And so um, that's, that's a work and it's, it's, it's a progress and we can take notice of those things and, and rejoice that um, the Spirit is, is doing His work in us and transforming us. My husband would also tell me when I would be crying over my horrible day, and my sinful response is um, parenting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you're in it for the long haul and you're going to mess up, but it's okay. 
So I think, you know, anybody listening out there who might have a bad day like that, just keep that in the back of your mind. This is a marathon. I am going to mess up. I am going to falter, but by God's grace and his love, I'm going to get up again and hold on to his promises that he's going to help me. Christina, um, one of the next chapters in your book that I want to dig into is the chapter where you talk about the idols of achievement and success. And this one really struck me and and spoke to my heart and was really convicting. Um, I think we all struggle with wanting our children to be successful, to have manners, to do well in school and so forth. Um, How do you separate that from being an idol from just encouraging your child to be the very best they can be or, you know, have proper manners or, you know, just wanting the, the best for them. And who doesn't want, our, you know, their child to succeed, who grow up to be healthy, happy, productive citizens. We all want good things for our children and we should. The problem comes when we put our, our hope in their success whether it's their performance in school or in sports or even in in how they behave around other people. When our worth as a parent, as a mother, depends upon how they're behaving or how they're performing or how they're succeeding, that, that kind of becomes that tipping point there where we are looking to that uh, to give us meaning. And we kind of know that that's what's going on when based on kind of how we feel when they have failed or, um, you know, maybe we're at church on a, on a Sunday morning and one of our kids has a, you know, huge tantrum in front of everybody and kind of just how we feel in response to that, you know, whether we're just, you know, completely, you know, humiliated, embarrassed, and even get a little bit irritated or angry with our kid for, for what they're doing at that moment, or whether we, you know, if our kid doesn't get the prize, doesn't get the grade that we expected and kind of how we respond to that. And then even as they grow and mature and, you know, are out of out of the home and, and whether they're making, um, doing well in their work or in, in their calling and, and how we respond to failures in that way too can, can show that, that idol. And so there is, I think with all the idols, there, there's a, um, there's a tipping point uh, where a lot of idols are good things that, that become idols. So it is good for our children to do well. It is good for them to have manners. It's good for them to, we want them to have good grades. We don't want them to fail in school. We want them to do well at whatever their particular gift is. If it's athletic, you know, they're an athlete or they are a musician, we want them to do well. And we want to encourage them to do well. But when it is our worth and value that's on the line there, that's kind of the, the key. I think that leads right into the idol of control. And I, I know that at Mark Inc. Ministries, our slogan is God is sovereign and you can trust him. But it seems as though with the area of control that you write about, we are doing just the opposite. We're trying to take control because deep down, we really aren't trusting God with all things. And yet we do want to be in charge, especially when our children are younger. But I will tell you that when we make control and idol throughout their lives and into their young adulthood, it comes crashing down into our hearts when they are independent, you know, because you're, you, ha- you have to prepare 
for that time when you're, you're not going to have any control over them at all. But so how does, you said, like the, all these things that we're talking about are, are, could be good things that we turn upside down. So how about control? How can that become an idol when we just think we're being good parents? Well, the idol of control involves really a desire for things to go according to our will and plan. So I, for example, don't like chaos. I don't like uh, disorder. And so uh, that might mean that I live by my to-do list, my plans, my routines, uh, my strategies. And so that can look differently for any any one of us. You know, for some families, uh, control might look like kind of a vigilance over maybe our child's health. Or it might be that we worship control through the way that we manage our home, through the way that we set up our our plans and our rules and structure for our family, which are all good things. The Lord gave us a list of rules for our own lives. Um, the problem comes is when we trust in those things and we uh, rest and rely in our um, our routines and when they're interrupted and how we how we respond and react to that interruption or whether we're trusting in a particular strategy that we're using to kind of manage our family and our children and when that strategy fails yeah. how do we respond and deal with that so again it you know all of you see kind of a common theme and in, in our responses really indicate to us whether something is an idol and so control comes down to again our response to how how we handle when um things are interrupted and when the chaos comes and when our plans don't work because the reality is is our plans typically don't work and chaos is all around us and that grace that we were talking about before is really what sustains us through all of that and um having that renewed each day and the promise of it being renewed each day um can bring great comfort. Um, I know that's that's where I have found myself, you know, when, when the day goes awry and tomorrow comes, it's like, you know, a deep breath of, okay, today, that, that reminder that he really is in control and has a plan even in the mess that's all around us. The yeah. last topic you cover um, in the book is the idol of approval. And again, as you said, all of these can be good, but there is that tipping point. It seems like the world is judging your parenting. Well, judging everything really, but uh, judging parenting based on how your children are performing and eventually what they end up doing with their lives when they reach adulthood. I know it's something I think about regularly, you know, their strengths in school and what might you want to be when you grow up and those types of things. And I know um, I worry about what other people are thinking all the time about my parenting, and I have a feeling most other moms can relate to that too. So what does the idol of approval really look like, if you can unpack that for us, and how do we combat it? So the idol of approval involves a longing to be accepted by others. Kind of stems from that belief that we must be loved or accepted in order for life to have meaning for us care most about what others think of us, fear of man, like you mentioned. In terms of motherhood, it can involve what our children think of us. It can involve what other people think about how we are doing with our parenting, just kind of us fearing their responses when our 
kid has that tantrum in the middle of the grocery store and everyone turns and looks, you know, kind of that fear of what they're thinking about us. Um, and so oftentimes we can go out of our way to kind of get that approval of um, trying, you know, striving and trying to be the, the perfect mom. And, and then we realize we're not because we fail day in and day out in various ways. And if that is a struggle uh, for us, we really have to remember and remind ourselves of where our approval lies. And that lies in who Christ is for us and that he, we're approved by God because of him and what he's done. And we've already had the approval. We're already deeply loved and valued and accepted. And we don't, we have that from the God of the universe. We don't need that from everyone around us. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's really the root and, and the source of approval. Christina, one of the things that you were just talking about, the approval from others and needing to be reminded of where our real approval comes from and having that sound biblical knowledge to really have it stored in our hearts reminded me of a verse I wanted to bring up um, before we go into our next question. And that's from Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And um, I know that's one that I come back to in mothering, um, remembering that it is not about the treasures here on earth, the approval of people, the approval of my children, but it's the treasures of my heart and the person, God, who created me Um, to care for these people in my life. What are some of the go-to Bible verses um, that you use uh, to let go of the control, to remember that God is in control of it all and that our children really belong to him? And where would you point other moms to, to kind of find that that peace and comfort? Well, I guess I would uh, narrow it down to three different truths from scripture that I rest in. The first is that I rest in the truth um, that I am a dependent creature of God, that all that I have comes to me from God, from his gift of grace, everything, my, everything I own, everything that I am, everything that I have. Um, one passage that kind of sums it up is from Acts 17, that says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So everything comes to us from God's grace. And uh, that's just something I have to remember that it's not from myself and that I'm dependent on God for literally everything. The second truth that I rest in as a mom is really the truth of God's sovereignty. I want to point out Isaiah 46, where God says, for I am God and is there, there is no other. I am God and there's none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Everything that's going on in my life is not a surprise to God. You know, my kids who refuse to go to bed at night or uh, the temper tantrum one had or the struggle they're having in school, all of those things are under God's sovereign rule and authority and um, I can rest in that and uh, knowing that he's, he's working all things out. Um, like nothing is outside of control. 
And then the third thing that I rest in is that God is my my rock and my fortress. He is my salvation. He is my hope. He is my life. From Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Those are just all images of places that we turn to for safety and security and help. And that's that's where we find it as moms, not in methods or strategies, not in what people think of us, not in um, substitute comforts, not in anything else apart from God. Christina, I want to thank you and Melissa also for joining us for this conversation about parenting and Christina, for giving us a glimpse into your newest book, Idols of a Mother's Heart. We really appreciate the thoughts that you have shared. And again, they resonate with me as a grandmother, I think as much as a young mom. And so as we uh, finish up our time together, do you have any uh, words that you could share with that desperate woman who is listening to this because she needs somebody to give her hope. She feels like a failure. She doesn't know how to proceed with being, being a mother, but the, the desire of her heart is to really to reflect Christ in her parenting. First, I would say you are not alone. And referencing that passage I just read in Psalm 18, that the Lord is with you and he is your help and hope in all of your desperate moments. But secondly, I would say that God has placed you in um, in a community. He's placed you in church. And really this book that I wrote is born out of an experience in my own community. I was part of a, a group of young moms. Um, my kids were younger and we read books together and talked about them. And the book that we read that inspired this book was Tim Keller's book. And as I read that book with my other mom friends, I could not help but apply the idols that he spoke about to my life as a mom. And as I talked about it with uh, my fellow sisters in Christ, and we all realized, wow, we are all struggling with these things, and that we aren't alone, and um, struggles with their anger, their impatience, and uh, trying to just get things right and trying to control things. And that was an encouraging time for me and an important time for me in the motherhood. And that's really how the, the book came to be. And so I would encourage you to reach out to your sisters in Christ and walk alongside others who are in the same place of life. And not only the same place, to other sisters who are further along in their journey and hear from them. I, I think that one of the, the things of this whole interview showed is that all of us though different uh, different seasons of our own motherhood, we kind of all resonated with with these things and we realized that we all we all have that struggle and that we really need each other to kind of encourage and, and exhort us uh, further further along the journey. Lissa Weissenfels and I have been talking with Christina Fox who is the author of Idols of a Mother's Heart, among many other books. You can learn more from Christina when you visit her blog at christinafox.com. And I hope that you'll pass on to your friends this conversation because of the help and the hope that it will give to uh, a 
parent no matter what season of life they are in. The vision of Mark Inc. Ministries is to offer help and hope in a way that equips, encourages, and enables people to walk by faith. And I want to invite you to visit markinc.org where you're going to find more free resources, uh, discover more conversations that address life crises that are often experienced in isolation. And I think parenting could be one of those crises that we experience in isolation unless we take Christina up on the counsel that she's given to us. But some other topics are terminal illness, grief, depression, adultery, caregiving, special needs, and many more. We would love to hear from you of how this conversation has encouraged you. And I want to thank you for listening.